Here's the Catch is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know 49ers ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Make sure to grab your 49ers and Cardinals tickets. They play next Sunday at Levi Stadium on game time so head to the app store or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets you're listening to here's the catch with david lombardi matt barrows and dennis brown on the athletic podcast network Well, the 49ers have finally lost. It took nine games, but that first loss came against their bitter rivals, the Seattle Seahawks. But guys, uh, in my writing right now, I'm still working on my article, but uh, I call it a 15-round prize fight because I thought it certainly felt like that, and I thought it went to the very final bell. I mean, final gun of overtime. This game couldn't have gone on any further. That's when the Seahawks knocked through the field goal to win this one, 27-24. And there's just a whole heck of a lot to digest in this game because of how long it went and how much happened. But I think if you, you know, just to summarize this before I toss it to Matt for our first take, and and we're going to have to have a lot of them to to fully process this. But on the surface, the, the 49ers did not get it done offensively. They didn't get it done with the special teams. And there are reasons why they're very shorthanded without George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders on the offensive side. But uh, I thought that the defense did a resounding job again today. And it was their first test against the elite quarterback, against the top five kind of guy. And time and time again, the 49ers defense brought this team back from the dead, kept them in the game until they finally just ran out of gas there at the end. And a big Russell Wilson 18-yard scramble set up the winning field goal. But Matt, uh, you could start with the offense, which was obviously deficient, or we can go with the defense, wherever you want to take this. What was your primary takeaway from this game? Well, how about a little bit of both? I mean, the the offense basically squandered, I agree with you, uh, a a heroic uh, effort almost by the the 49ers defense. Every time the game started to, to slip away, the defense brought them back in, including that, um, you know, just uh, timely Dre Greenlaw interception in overtime. And that that looked like it was going to be the difference. Uh, he, he made the interception at the four-yard line. He brought it all the way back to the Seahawks 49, you know, uh, one, uh, w- one first down and maybe a few more yards, and the 49ers are in field goal position. And of course, that field goal attempt goes uh, well wide left. Uh, it wasn't even close. Uh, but uh, it w- to me, it was a game where the uh, the injuries and uh, the offensive mistakes, which have been two bugaboos that the, the 49ers have been able to overcome thus far in the season, finally caught up to this team. And uh, despite all the valiant effort from the defense, uh, it, it cost them in the end. And uh, there's... <laughs> There's so many storylines to to talk about, so many heroes and uh, you know errors that we can cite. Dennis, what what stood out to you in this game? Well, first of all, um, if if I were Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I would be so disappointed in my receiving crew. Um, 
after Emmanuel Sanders went down, um, that 49ers offense just kind of disappeared. Now, good job by Ken Norton Jr. in kind of setting his game plan and shutting down the run game uh, with some of those run blitzes and putting eight in the box. And then just saying, guess what? You have to beat us with the pass. And then after Emmanuel went down, that was it. You know, the first quarter, after the first quarter, I was thinking, wow, this might be a blowout. Uh, and then Sanders goes down, and then the offense just kind of disappeared. And you had something like seven drop passes, you know, out of these receivers. And, you know, no one really should stood up. Uh, Debo had probably his career game tonight, played well, but he dropped a few crucial passes. And, you know, you can't say enough about this defense. This defense, you know, they fought hard. Uh, that last drive in, in, in overtime, you saw a lot of hands on the hips. And, you know, that front was just worn out. And Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does. You know, he makes plays when he has to make plays. And I was thinking, you know, you give the ball back to Russell Wilson and, and he's going he's gonna to make you pay for it. And, and I'm still kind of perplexed or confused about, you know, the time management, especially in overtime. And we can talk more about that. But I, I just the receiving crew just kind of surprises me. These these guys are they're talented guys, but you know, the drop balls just kill you. Yeah, they gave Russell Wilson one too many chances. And I mean, they shut Russell Wilson down time after time after time. Again, the bulk of Seattle's points in this game, twenty one out of twenty seven points and twenty one out of twenty four in regulation came off of turnovers. So it wasn't like this 49ers defense was allowing Russell Wilson to march up and down the field and do what he's done to all the other teams he's faced this year. I mean, they were only giving up points when the offense would either cough it up because of, you know, poor pass protection and a Jimmy Garoppolo fumble or, uh, you know, a drop. And, and the, the damaging one, the most damaging one being Kendrick Bourne's drop, which turned into an interception, essentially a pick six because Seattle scored a touchdown coming off of it the other way. So, I mean, this defense – wasn't really giving up all of much of anything. I thought that they acquitted themselves extremely well. I think we're all on the same page as as far as that goes. But boy, those, those drops on the offensive end. You you look. I think you're exactly right, Dennis. You hit the nail on the head. This was an efficient offense up until the point that Emmanuel Sanders left with a rib injury. And you look at the Seattle game plan against the 49ers, this was exactly what Arizona did to the 49ers last Thursday. They put eight men in the box. They shut down the 49ers' run game. They didn't want to get embarrassed like the Carolina Panthers had gotten embarrassed. And they said, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, beat us. We dare you to. Well, against the Arizona Cardinals, the 49ers still had George Kittle for most of the game. And they had Emmanuel Sanders working a lot out of the slot, and they burned that eight-man box time and time again. Today, they were burning this, the eight-man box of the Seahawks early on when Emmanuel Sanders was in the game. They didn't even need Kittle. But boom, the second that Emmanuel Sanders left the game, that meant that everybody had to shift up, right? Your wide receiver three and your wide receiver four become your one and your two. And, and guys like Kendrick Bourne, guys like Dante Pettis, man, he was disappointing today. Matt, Matt, they just couldn't hang on to the ball. It was like that extra spotlight on them just got them jittery. Just They just weren't ready, ready for the physicality of this game. They weren't ready to make those big staple catches to keep the offense going. And ultimately, it sunk the 49ers. Yeah, 87 rushing yards for the 49ers. That's a, a season low for them. And uh, you're right. There was no, there was no counterpunch once. 
Emmanuel Sanders left the game. And it raises the question, okay, is that going to be the case in this next game too? Emmanuel Sanders is going for an MRI today, Tuesday. Uh, he obviously tried to get back in that game with his rib issue and, and, and he couldn't. He, he had to take himself out. Meanwhile, George Kittle uh, was nowhere to be seen. Um, you know, usually when a, when a guy is working his way back from an injury, you see him on the field before the game. He does, you know, a, a bit of rehab, a, a bit of conditioning. Um, that wasn't the case for George Kittle today. He, he wasn't out there early. In fact, he watched the game from the coach's booth up uh, up with us on the eighth floor of the suite tower. So that, that tells me that, oh boy, he's not even kind of close to returning to uh to the lineup and and they've got a short week uh against the uh coming up against the cardinals here to prepare so uh i i'm i'm uh, skeptical that either of those guys is going to be able to play in that game uh it's early of course we'll have to wait during the week to see uh who comes back during practice but this could be the reality for the 49ers and dennis you mentioned that uh debo samuel stepped up uh both dante pettis and marquise goodwin Zero catches in this game. And uh, I got to think that uh, somebody else needs to rise to the forefront. Uh, and uh, otherwise, it was disappointing. Um, you know, in, in your mind, who who needs to kind of jump into the into the fold here and step up for the 49ers? Right. Th- that's a great question. And, you know, before Emmanuel Sanders was signed, what, two, three weeks ago, we were asking that exact same question, and and here it is, another opportunity for someone to say, hey, you know, I want to be that number one receiver, or I want to be that guy that Jimmy Garoppolo trusts. And I say that because I, I really don't feel like Jimmy Garoppolo has that trust with anybody else. I think, you know, he, he kind of created a little bit of synergy with Emmanuel because he knew he was going to catch the ball. He's going to catch the ball, you know, tough balls or contested balls, or he's going to, you know, readjust his body to, to make those catches. And I don't think he has a confidence right now in these guys. You know, Debo, I mean, again, these are very young. I, I'm, I'm very surprised that in the, in the um, overtime, I looked over on the sidelines and Marquise Goodwin was standing on the sidelines, had his helmet on. Arms cross, uh, and this is a crucial part of the football game. And he's a guy that I would think would, you know, the defense would have to respect. And, you know, now the 49ers are in a situation now where you can load the box, take away the run, and not really be threatened down the field. You don't have to worry about your defense getting stretched. If you if you shut down that run, uh, all you have to do is kind of defend. You know, before it was, de- you know, look at a George Kittle. Then you had Emmanuel Santos, and now – I don't think, you know, a defense is going to be really kind of, you know, threatened by anybody in this receiving crew. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. You go out and you you find one of these veteran receivers that might still be out there. Um, It's just you need something, you know, some type of vertical threat on this football team to be successful. Yeah, I mean, and when they had Kittle and and when they had Sanders, then you had – Two guys, and I think Shanahan is is good enough. I mean, he's a genius. He he can make it work with one of those guys. We've seen it happen. But when he doesn't have either of those two dependable guys, nothing works. I mean, it all fell off a cliff. I mean, the 49ers really just had a scratch and claw. I thought it was actually really impressive on Garoppolo's part to be able to tie this game. You know, the, the Seattle took the lead there, and the 49ers had to 
had to kick a field goal of their own and they had what like a minute and 20 seconds to drive back and and figure that out maybe a little bit more but they did it without you know there was hardly any separation on the second level when they finally started having some success they were throwing their running backs coming out of the backfield but your offense is so limited when you're just relying on running backs running five yard out patterns out of the backfield so they had a really scratch and claw just to get downfield, just really unsustainable offense. You you need actually need guys getting open downfield that your quarterback trusts so he could step into the throw, fire it down there. Somebody needs to be working out of the slot. And, you know, it just brings me back to that drop by Marquise Goodwin early on in the game. I thought the 49ers had a chance to really bust this one open you know, at a point of the game, I don't know if it was the first or second drive, but it really felt like they had a chance to score a commanding touchdown. Garoppolo stepped up in the pocket, made a nice third down throw to Goodwin, and it just clangs off his hands. And it wasn't an easy throw. Jadavian Clowney was terrorizing the 49ers offensive line, which looked rusty with Staley and McGlinchey back this week early on. But Garoppolo was doing his best. He was weaving through some traffic there, and he was putting the ball on receivers' hands. And and they just they just weren't hauling it in. And you think back to Marquise Goodwin in December 2017, he was this team's number one target. Him and Garoppolo, they had a great rapport. So I don't know what's happened to Goodwin confidence-wise or this or that, but but he wasn't that guy today. Trent Taylor left, you know, he, he's done for the season. He left the locker room uh, uh, in one of those rollers. Where he couldn't even put weight on his foot. So that that's all gone down the drain. And uh, and these young guys aren't getting it done with uh, Sanders and Kittle out. So Matt, who are the options out there? Des Bryant? I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I think we're past the trade deadline. The 49ers have already made a move. I think they have to just, uh, you know, hold their breath and, and, and hope that uh, the guys come back healthy and, and guys like Pettis and Debo Samuel start holding on to more footballs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Goodwin was, uh, you know, that was a very odd play, that drop that you were describing. He's, it seemed like he mistimed his leap, but, but it, it definitely he definitely had a shot at it and it went through his hands. Well, uh, fans will want to know uh, what's going on with Jalen Hurd. That, that, that could be a uh, reinforcement for the 49ers. He can start practicing with the team this week. And then uh, the first game that he's eligible to play in is the December one game against the Ravens. Uh, you know, that would be a nice guy to have back. But, uh, you know, he's a he's a rookie. Uh, he's a guy that was playing tailback early in his college career. So I'm not sure that that's a real answer for this team as far as the the deep passing game. I, I think you guys are right. I mean, I, I think it's somebody on the roster that needs to step up. And boy, we're just not seeing it from either Pettis or, or Goodwin, um, you know, uh, to, to Goodwin's, uh, in Goodwin's defense, I should say, uh, you know, he was in and out of the game and, and Shanahan said that he had cramping in his forearm. I don't know if uh, that's the uh, exact diagnosis, but uh, he obviously was dealing with something in this game and that m- may have been why he was on the sideline at the end there. But, um, yeah, it's it's a huge issue because uh, there's a blueprint now on how to stop the 49ers, and that's stack the box, stop the run, and then dare Garoppolo to find somebody, anybody downfield. Um, now, having said all that, uh, there were a lot of heroics on defense, and I thought that Fred Warner was, uh, you know, did a, just, just a wonderful job of, you know, stepping up in place of Quan Alexander in this game. And uh, there were other ones as well. Emmanuel Mosley, I thought, had a really strong game. They were attacking him, and he didn't back down. Uh, you know, from the defensive perspective, Dennis, 
who caught your eye? What what did you see on the defensive side of the ball? Um, you're right. Fred Warner had a had a fantastic game. Kwan Williams had a had a great game. Uh, he was in on a lot of that run support. Uh, Richard Sherman even said that he was the player of the game, and he he had a lot of. He was good in coverage. Uh, he was coming on the blitz. I think he, you know, he 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 caused a fumble that Russell Wilson was a fumble. I think he he caused a fumble on a run play, uh, and you know he was just he was probably the most consistent player I think on defense. But you know I think Fred Warner had a couple sacks. I, I again I, this defense just kind of you know it was at one point in the game. I think it was the beginning of the. The fourth quarter, I thought it was it was a done deal. I think the 49ers were down by 11. And all of a sudden, you know, Jaquaski Tart, you know, he gets that rip or 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 uh, or something happens, a, a sack or something like that. So I think this de- I just think at the end of the game, this defense was tired, you know, and they've been chasing around Russell Wilson. They got a lot of hits on Russell. I think they, they did a good job of containing him. But at the end of the game, you know, those rush lanes in the middle. And I think a lot of these plays, if if you look at that that last play, that last scramble that set up the field goal, I think it's a design play. I'm thinking once Russell Wilson realized that it was man coverage uh, and that middle was wide open, he was just looking for a gap to run. And and that's what he kind of does. And he's and he's so good about that, his awareness, his, you know, his place on the field and just knowing kind of what he does and and I think that defense, they battled and they kept this this game close, you know, tied it up, get get the offense in position uh, to win the game. I just wish that uh, Fred Warner would have scored on that interception at the end of the game there. And that's another thing. The 49ers lost a turnover game. I mean, the the Seahawks had three three take takeaways and they turned them into 21 points. And the 49ers, I think, had three also. I think... Uh, they only came came out with seven points. So, yeah, yeah, you know that's that 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 was another big part of this football game. But the defense played well, and you know, again, young guys. We talk about these young receivers. A lot of young guys on that defense that show up. Emmanuel Mosley, he had another fantastic game. So, a lot of great things as far as the defense goes. And we we got to remember this team is is eight and one. You know, keeping in perspective. I mean, it's still a good football team, but now. You know, the sledding gets a whole lot harder, especially if you don't have a number one receiver. Yeah, exactly. It's a good football team with a great defense. I think that they solidified their position as a great defense today by the way that they willed the 49ers back into the game. They resurrected this team. The the play that you're talking about, Dennis, was in the fourth quarter, about 12 minutes left. It's 21 to 10. 49ers look dead in the water because the offense isn't doing anything without Kittle and Sanders. And it's a second and short for Seattle. Robert Sala was fantastic today, by the way. Fred Warner got two sacks that were both, they both came on perfectly timed blitzes. Kwan Williams forced a fumble earlier in the game that came on a perfectly timed blitz. And then Kwan Williams forced another fumble on, on this crazy fourth quarter play. They brought the nickel blitz and he got to Russell Wilson. Nick Bosa got there right after him, but Kwan with his speed coming off the edge, thanks to. Robert Sala's call knocked the ball loose. It went to the Seattle offensive lineman. I believe it was Ifedi. I'm not sure on that. But one of the Seattle offensive linemen got the fumble. And then Fred Warner punched it out from him. And then DeForest Buckner ran it into the end zone. So two strips on one play for 
a 49ers team that struggled to force almost, you know, any turnovers at all last year, just creating havoc all over the field, especially when their backs were up against the wall and they needed it most. And that started an 11-0 run where it really looked like the 49ers could could take control of the game. But again, the offense just just did not do enough. Even in you know when they were gifted some decent field position because of a turnover, they you know would move a few yards. They had to punt it away. This was the lowest yards per play of the year. So so you look at the defense, all great points, but but it comes down to what you said, Dennis. They only scored seven off of the turnovers, and that was the defense scoring it themselves. That was DeForest Buckner running into the end zone. The, the offense did not pull its weight when it came to that, and I think, Matt, it's just a, it's a simple dichotomy in this game between one side you know, pulling all the weight, the other side not doing that, and when we spin this forward, we look to Arizona. Well, this is a rematch of a team that's going to approach the 49ers the same way they did last week and the same way that Seattle did today. The 49ers, maybe Seattle's a little bit worse because they don't have Russell Wilson, but but still, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to scratch out some offense without George Kittle and and maybe without Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, and uh, the theme of this team all season has been overcoming seemingly impossible obstacles. Whether it's you know missing both tackles, missing the the fullback, missing this, missing that. You know, a five turnover game that they won somehow won against Pittsburgh in Week Three. And and you know we say this almost every week on this show, but this is this looks like the biggest one yet. Um, you know, let's say that they're without Sanders and, and Kittle for this game, um, and and playing a an Arizona team that came within three of beating them the last time. I mean, they need to find something on offense. Uh, the defense is there. Um, you know, can can it carry them throughout the the second half of this season? Um, you know, they're, they're kind of in a vulnerable spot and it, it, that's, that's kind of strange to say about an eight and one team. Uh, but they are battered right now. They are hitting the the hardest stretch of the season and, uh, they're working on a short week against the Cardinals as well. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be up, up against it again. Uh, they always are, but they always kind of seem to, to find something within themselves in those situations. And, you know, like I said, this is going to be a, a tough test coming up this week. Um, you know, Dennis, when when you're in those situations, I mean, is that sort of a galvanizing uh, thing for a team when when you know your backs are against the wall? You got a short week. What was your kind of experience in those types of uh, situations? Well, it, it's all about leadership, you know, at this point. And I think uh, moving forward, you know, these next couple weeks are going to show kind of the character of this football team. I mean, this is this is a game that they fought. I mean, you know, you, you had a ton of injuries. Uh, you know, you you had an opportunity to win a football game. You lost a football game to, you know, to a field goal kick. Uh, and now, you know, the, you have to watch the film tomorrow or whenever they're going to watch it. And then you got to kind of forget about it and you got to figure it out. And you also have to understand that now there is a blueprint to this football team and, and teams are going to watch this film. They're going to watch the Arizona film and Arizona kind of started this whole thing out. So it's all about the leadership and, and it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how this team kind of approaches this. I mean, you are an eight, eight and one football team, uh, but you can't, you know, forget that uh, you have this opportunity in front of you. I mean, you, you, you could have had a three game lead and now you only have, 
what a two game lead. So, you know, your division is still wide open. You still have to focus on a division team that's coming uh, into your house and you only, they only beat you. You only beat them by three points a couple weeks ago and, and they put up a pretty good fight too. So it's all about the leadership right now. And you, you, you kind of have to approach this week at business as usual and, and, you know, fix the mistakes and, and on offense, you got to figure out, you know, how, who's going to be your number one receiver and someone's got to stand up. And I, I just hope that, you know, guys like a Joe Staley or, or your quarterback says, listen, you know, we have to do better on the football field. Yeah, and I think the 49ers may be able to gain a little bit more margin for error just naturally moving forward uh, it, because I think their offensive line will play better than it did for most of the game today. In fact, I thought that over the course of the 70 minutes of football that we saw today, the offensive line did improve. But one thing that I noticed is that with Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey both coming back, both of those guys look, looked rusty, especially you know early on. That first drive, even though the 49ers jumped out to a 10 nothing lead there early, it, Garoppolo was was having to absorb hits. He was having to, to get away from you know Clowney. It was Jadavian Clowney who was beating both tackles most of the time. But the, ultimately, Clowney, the 49ers figured it out. Ultimately, he wasn't harassing Garoppolo quite as much as the game went along. And, and I think that Shanahan, after looking at the film tomorrow, will say, yeah, those guys were a little rusty. They weren't used to the game speed yet, but they settled in over the course of the game. The problem is that they were struggling at the same time that Weston Richburg, the 49ers center, got hurt. And on the two or three possessions that uh, Ben Garland was in, uh, that wasn't pretty either. In fact, on one of them, uh, Jerron Reed busted through, forced a fumble, and that turned into a touchdown for Seattle. So the offensive line was a sieve at very inopportune times of this game. That also cost the 49ers possessions and points. And hopefully for their sake, that's something, Matt, that they fix by next time just because they're going to be back in the flow of things because today they certainly weren't at the start of the game. And if you do fix that, then that gives the receivers a little bit more breathing room. That means that one drop won't kill you because today there were so many mistakes that the drops did kill them. Yeah, one of the biggest uh, mysteries to me was was how the, how the heck the, the Seahawks entered this game with only 15 sacks. That was fourth worst in the league, and, and they played one extra game than the 49ers. And they've got Jadavian Clowney on the team. Jadavian Clowney had a great game against this team in 2017 when he was with the Texans. The 49ers won that game in the end, uh, but he's very talented. So, you know, that that's a little bit scary that uh, they've, they've got him on the team. He seems to be warming up right now. And then, of course, the 49ers are going to have to – play this team again in the finale in, in Seattle, which is looming, all of a sudden looming with uh, only a half game lead on the, on the Seahawks as a, uh, as a very, very, very important big game. Um, and uh, I, I guess we should leave it at that, that uh, the, the second half of the season has a lot of those types of games on it. And uh, you know, the 49ers did not, uh, did not come through in that kind of the first test of this more uh, challenging second half of the season. And, you know, I, I got a quick question and, and, you know, we were just talking about this and it, it felt like the offense and, and overtime just didn't have enough to put the ball in the end zone. Was there any time any of you thought playing for a tie? Well, I mean, the 49ers did get that field goal opportunity. I, I thought, 
you, you know, so after they missed the field goal really badly in overtime, I thought that a tie was the best case scenario for the 49ers. And, and I thought they would be pretty happy actually to leave this game with a tie. Unfortunately for them, Russell Wilson drove down with that 18 yard run and, and, and they, they kicked their field goal their own and won the game. But it, it, before that, the 49ers and I think Kyle Shanahan was playing either field goal or we're not going to win this game. Because remember, he got down to that really close fourth down where a lot of fans on Twitter, I didn't see the replay yet, but a lot of fans on Twitter were telling me they thought the 49ers got the first down, but the officials ruled they were short. And I I still think, looking back on that, and at the time I thought maybe the 49ers should run a quarterback sneak here instead of forcing a backup kicker into a long field goal attempt. And, and, you you know, in case he misses – you give Seattle time to drive right back, and that's exactly what happened. If the 49ers would have picked up a first down there, they could have at least you know, controlled the clock in, in overtime better. But I thought what happened was that Kyle Shanahan just wasn't very confident in how skittish his offense was. And he, you saw the first possible field goal opportunity, and he sent the special teams out. And I think in the past, Matt, we've seen Kyle be more gung-ho about his offense a little bit more confident about it but today because of the personnel limitations because of how this game was going for that side of the ball he wasn't and and instead he trusted that you know basically a walk-on kicker um, who had made one kick to tie the game yeah but a guy you're not really sure of instead of the offense and and that was all I needed to know about Shanahan's thought process about where his team was today yeah, um, in his defense he just watched the same kicker just nail a 47 yarder to tie the game, to set it into overtime very confidently, right down the middle. Uh, that was the same distance as the uh, the would-be overtime winner. <laughs> you know, those two kicks couldn't have been more different. One was uh, full confidence, and the second one was just as bad a, a miss as uh, you can get. In fact, Jennifer Lee Chan uh, has, a, uh, has a video of it, uh, you know, going into the tunnel, which is uh, the ball going into the tunnel, which is well, you know, to the to the right if you're looking at the field of the uh, of the goalpost. So it was it was a significant miss in that game. But um, you know, to that point, he'd been very confident in, in, in hitting everything, and and that's why I think uh, Shanahan felt confident in in having a field goal at that point. Obviously, in hindsight. That was the uh, the wrong choice. Yeah, I, I could see both both sides of that argument. My the only thing, the, the the first kick that we saw to tie the game, they centered, they got it right in the middle, and the second one, it almost seemed that the 49ers were caught off guard, uh, you know, by not getting the first down, and they kicked it from the right hash, and then I think part of that overcompensation made that kick go into the tunnel, and you know, it was just ugly. I, I thought that was really emblematic of the game. On all fronts, I, I call it a bar fight, and you know, bar fights generally uh, favor the defense. The defenses are are, are are imposing their will, and I thought that both defenses were imposing their will today. 49ers defense because they were very strong, and the Seahawks defense, well, it's not as good of a unit, but they took advantage of the fact that the 49ers were so depleted on the offensive side. So they they win the bar fight. It was kind of a throwback to the earlier days of this rivalry when it was a war of attrition. It was a very physical game. It was a very competitive game, but ultimately the 49ers lose 27 to 24. Anyway, it is late at night here at Levi stadium. So it's time for us to sign off. We're going to have another podcast for you in just a couple of days to, to really rehash what happened and move forward with the 49ers. So um, that's it for tonight. Thank you to Matt Barrows and to Dennis Brown. 
We will talk to you guys next time. This has been the Here's the Catch podcast. This is David Lombardi signing off. For more exclusive 49ers content, including player interviews, go to theathletic.com slash here's the catch for a free seven-day trial and 40% off subscription.